Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Guys, today we are continuing um, this series on the book of Ephesians. And as you walk through a book, many times you're confronted with passages of Scripture and you go, I don't know if I'm going to, I want to teach about that. I don't know if I, if I want to take some time and, and because that's going to take a lot of work and there's so many different opinions about that. But how many know it's important that you take the Word of God for what it is and you just walk it through and you let the Word of God speak. So today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 and we're going to be looking at what was true back in Paul's day is still true today. We're going to be looking at the importance of biblical parenting. Everybody say amen to that. Now, I know that there are parents in this room, grandparents in this room, people who will be parents, people who interact with children. It doesn't matter where we are. We can all grow in our relationships with how do we interact with children. How do we parent them? How do we lead them? How do we guide them? We do have a perfect example, which is God our Father, who has set the perfect example for what we are to be as parents. But I'm not perfect. Anyone else perfect in here? Okay, good. We're not perfect. So let me, just, let me just relieve any guilt or shame. Or Let me just say this. You will make mistakes as parents. Okay? Amen? And so you need to know everyone else will make mistakes as parents. You need to know that your parents made mistakes as parents. And you need to know the perfect parent in your mind that you think, oh, I'll never be like them. They're like the best parent in the world. Guess what? They're faking really good because they make mistakes too, okay? And so many times you talk about parenting, immediately everyone starts thinking, oh gosh, I know I've failed. And so I don't want to talk about my failure because all of us carry this natural born guilt and shame and condemnation. But this is what I know. The God of the Bible is not a God of condemnation and shame, okay? He is not. He's the God of grace. He's the God of kindness. He's the God that, that, that has inexhaustible grace for you. And so we're just going to take the word of God for what it says. We're going to apply some biblical principles to us. And we're going to walk them out. And uh, here's, here's what I know as well as the communicator this morning, as the pastor of this church. That Cheryl and I are right in the middle of pastor. We have a 13-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son. And what it means to be right in the middle of it is this. We don't know what we're doing is what it means. <laughs> but we're doing our best, and we're really seeking God and really asking Him to help us, and we're growing in that. And that's, but we at Faith Bible Chapel believe in healthy families. We believe that families should be healthy. We believe that, that parents should be challenged to be better parents. We believe that marriages should be challenged to be better. But all this challenge to be better, challenge to be better, isn't try harder. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about acknowledging the grace of God that wants to help us, wants to meet us, and wants to help us grow as we parent and lead and love each other and serve as a family. And, uh, and so that's our desire to do that. So Cheryl and I are right in the middle of parenting. And uh, as I was preparing this message, I, and I was thinking of many of you who I look up to as parents, who I look up to you as I'm like, man, if only I could be more like so-and-so as a dad. And, or my wife to think, oh, I could be more like so-and-so as a mom. Because we understand we don't have this thing figured out. But 
I know this, the God of the Bible is perfect, and he gives us biblical principles to apply to our lives. And so I, I didn't want to be like the pastor, um, the young pastor who just graduated seminary, just started, uh, took over his, his first church, and he decided to give a message on parenting. So he got up the first year, and he said this, I'm going to give you some ways to raise your children. Now, he doesn't have any children, and so he preached for 50 minutes on nine ways to raise well-behaved children. That year, he and his wife, they had their first child. And a year later, he came back and he preached 30 minutes on seven ways to raise a child. Another year rolled around, and their second child, he came and he preached 20 minutes on four or five things that may or may not work on raising children. <laughs> the next year rolled around, he had a third child, and he preached about 15 minutes on this topic. How can you raise obedient children? Please tell me. And then... The, the last time, actually another year rolled around, and he had another child, and this time came for the annual sermon on parenting, and he stood up after worship, and he said, God bless you. Do the best you can. Go home. <laughs> now, we all, we all need to grow in our parenting. We all need to grow in our grandparenting. Actually, even today, you're going, some of you uh, were passing out flyers for a grandparenting conference because I need grandparents in my life. Other people need grandparents in their life. And we want to equip the whole family. Grandparents, we want to help you to become better grandparents. Parents, we have small groups that we're going to be launching in, in about three weeks. Or you can sign up for them on parenting small groups. You get to walk um, eight weeks through to talk about what does it mean to, uh, to be a better parent. And you can grow together and become better at parenting. And so also we have a resource for all of us here whether you're a parent or not, it's a, it's a resource called Right Now Media. That we, it's a gift to you. We give it to you. We, we pay so that everyone in this church can have access to Right Now Media. And so what Right Now Media is, has Bible studies. It has different um, topics that you can look at, parenting for teenagers, for children. Um, it has amazing stuff on there, Bible studies that even you and your, and your spouse could sit and do a marriage course just sitting on your couch that way you can talk through the issues that you need to talk through. And so it's a wonderful thing to, uh, to have. And so it's a gift to you. And you can go to our website, faith.church. You can do Right Now Media. We will give you a login and you can access it anywhere on your phone, on your computer, on your TV. It's amazing. It's a gift to you. But we believe in healthy families. Amen? And our desire is to allow us to have healthy families and for the Word of God to speak to us with healthy families. So I want to begin by reading out of Ephesians chapter 4. Though this passage is written to fathers, it's written to the, to the life of a family. And there are principles that all of us can learn from. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, Paul says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from God. The Lord. Remember the beginning of Ephesians is all about what God has done through His Son Jesus Christ to give us freedom, to give us His grace, to give us life. The second half is now that you've been transformed, these are some principles that you can live by and only by the grace of God will you be able to do this. And so Paul speaks into the life of fathers. He speaks into the lives, life of, of mothers, of wives, of husbands, and of children, and of workers, which we will get further into in the next couple of weeks. But this whole idea, Paul was addressing something in the church. And I don't know if, if you can tell by what's going on in the church. Many scholars believe that their fathers in the church at the time, though they were, they were providing for their children, they were not loving their children. 
They were, they were absentees. So they, they would, everything that had to do with raising a child was all in the mom's hands. And so one thing that's, that's one difficult thing about fathers is if they are absent altogether. The other difficult thing is if they are present but still absent. And so this is what Paul is dealing with. So this message is just not about fathers. It's also about mothers and some biblical parenting that we want to walk through. And we, all of us know this. You can give rules and parameters and don't do this and don't do that and, and do this and do that. But if you just go with rules and parameters and regulations and the law, guess what? It's still going to produce rebellion in a child's heart. There is this other piece that I really want to speak to today, and this is this idea of relationship with your children. I've always, I've known this quote from Josh McDowell when he talked about parenting. He said this, and this has always stuck with me. He said, truth without relationship leads to rejection. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Discipleship, sorry, discipline without relationship leads to bitterness and anger and resentment and none of us want this in our children's lives this is why it's important for us not to be a legalistic church when a child runs in and they're they're running through the atrium you don't yell at them hey stop running in the house of God Uh, okay I don't so what's going to stick out in their mind they're going to what's going to stick out their mind is that I'm not allowed to have fun in the house of God I understand there's respect and there's reverence but that's the parent's job to do not your job amen And so many of this, we need to understand how should we interact with children in our lives. And so as parents, I'm going to talk about parental gifts that you can give your children. And you can leave with them that can transform them and change them. So everybody say this. Say, I'm with you, Jason. All right, because we're we're going to hit some of these things. And we're, we're going to be challenged deeply in our lives. So what can you give your children? I want to share with you three things. The first thing you can give them under biblical parenting is, number one, you can give them the gift of your attention. This is a, this is a powerful gift that you can give your children. And we learn from reading the phrase in the, in the passage, do not provoke your children to anger. The opposite of provoking is this love and devotion to a child. It, it, attention looks like something. And may, all of us know deep down inside that, that attention is different than providing things for someone. It's different than, than working hard and, and, not, and, and just giving them things, buying them cars, buying them PlayStations or Xboxes or whatever. Though that's great and it's a real blessing to be able to do that. At the end of the day, they're not going to wish they had another Xbox. They're going to wish they had more attention from a mom or a dad. And so your attention to a child is a gift to them. Depending on where, whatever your life circumstance, you might be a single parent. And so you need to say, God, give me the grace to show them attention. And God will do that because you are stretched to the max. But I know this. Children do not spell attention by T-H-I-N-G-S, things. They don't spell it like that. They spell it by T-I-M-E, time. Time, attention, slowing down, looking at them. I remember when I, when I first um, had Seth, our, our firstborn, I was reading this book on, uh, on raising um, strong-willed children. And I didn't need it on my son. I did need it for my daughter, though. But anyway, that's another story. We'll, we'll move on from there. And 
But one of the things they said in there is they said this, every time your child walks in the room, the greatest gift you could give them is to see, for them to see your eyes light up that you're glad to see them. So what I started doing is paying attention. He'd walk in the room, hey, what's going on? I still do it today. He's like, Dad, it's just me. I'm like, I know, I love seeing you. I'm, <laughs> see, I'm happy. But it was a discipline. It was, it was an attention thing. I didn't give him anything else but my attention. I see you. I love you. There's my boy. And I started doing it with my daughter as well. When I see him, I'm like, hey, Ellie, how are you? I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying that's one, that's one thing for me. I, I, I determined I'm going to give them my attention. It's a small thing. But attention is a gift to give your children. There's this whole song that, uh, that came out a long time ago. It was called The Cat in the Cradle. Anybody remember that song? You want me to sing it? I'm not going to sing it for you. No, stop it, Jim. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I see it. And one of, the, one of the verses goes like this. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? And I said, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. Well, that's okay. And he walked away, and his smile never dimmed, and he said, I'm going to be just like him. And this is the son saying, I'm just going to be like my dad one day. You know I'm going to be like him. And it goes on, and the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue, and the man on the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together soon. then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. The last verse of the song, though, is very sad because the man says, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, but I just can't find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle when the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up to be just like me. Attention is about time. I've never heard anyone on their deathbed as a parent say, man, I just wish I could have bought them one more thing. I just wish I could have put them in one more, in, in, in one more cl sports club. I wish I just could have. You never hear that, my friends. You hear, I wish I would have spent some more time with my children. This has challenged me even as I prepared this week, thinking of my kids. And um, I mean, I, I, I have the best job in the world. But this job is not more important than my job as a father. Same way with you. You, you, you truly. Because this, this is what I know. One day... Someone will hold your title and your business. Someone will take over the business that you own. Someone will replace you. Someone will replace me. But no one will ever hold the title as dad to my children. No one will hold, ever hold the title as mom. No one. And so this is just a challenge to all of us to say, you know, our children really matter to us. And I, even if I was thinking, I thought, you know, what's my greatest need from the Lord? 
It probably sounds something like this when I'm struggling or, or just, just on a normal day. God, I just need to know that you're here. I just, in other words, um, can you reveal to me that you're paying attention to me? That you're looking at me? That you know my name? That I'm not in this alone? And the moment that I sense his presence and, his, and I'm here with you, son, is the moment that I'm like, it's all going to be okay. It's the same way with our children. The gift of attention is biblical parenting. Secondly, the second gift that you can give them is the gift. Give them the gift of your affection. And this is, this is, this is wonderful. That means this. You show them your love. You put your arms around them. You kiss them. You hug them. One of the things, one of the things that I, I, I remember as like a 14-year-old, my dad used to grab me in public, hug me, and kiss me on the cheek on purpose. And he did it just to mess with me. And to this day, I was like, I love that. That was so fun. Guess what I do to my 15-year-old son? That's right. I do the same thing. And he's like, Dad, stop. And I'm like, never. <laughs> but did you know that they, there was a study that showed that infants, if they did not have physical affection or touch, that their, their actual bodies began to shut down. Because God created us for that from a parent to love us. To hold us. And, and actually as children get older, they, they need to be hugged. They need to be held. They need to be shown that you love them. One of the things, my, my wife and I, we've had a great privilege of serving in high school youth ministry for a little over eight years in Texas and here. And one of the things I learned at a, at a, at a youth conference, and I started doing it, it said every teenager that comes in your youth ministry should get a touch on the shoulder from one of your leaders or you. It's, it's physical touch. Hey, great to see you. And that's something. I made a decision. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to greet everyone with a touch. I don't, if, I don't know if you notice it or not. But when I come up to you and say hi to you, I don't know. I just shake your hand and I always pat someone on the arm, on the shoulder. Uh, not Never on the head. That would be weird. But, you know, you, you do it. You just, you just want to acknowledge, hey, great to see you. There's, there's power in the physical touch. And as a parent, you need to know your children are longing to be touched by you in a loving, caring way. Because it matters, it, it, it changes, it, it alters us. There is great power in affection. It is not weakness. Fathers, please hear me. Affection is not weakness. It is not feminine. It is masculine. It is powerful. And it is what affection is what a real father does for his children. I just want to encourage you to do that. It's wonderful. Actually, the great need for us is also to, be, to have a sense of God's affection towards us. When we're struggling, when we're going through something, we need to know that God is with us. And 1 Corinthians 1.4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. In other words, he's there paying attention, and he's also hugging us and holding us and comforting us in our struggle. That is an incredible gift that you can give your children is affection. All of us, though, have to grow in these gifts. Some dads, it comes natural to give attention. Some dads have to grow in it. Some dads give natural to give affection. Some dads need to grow in that. Same way with moms. Some moms, it's just naturally you want to give affection, and, and you do that. But some are going to need to grow in that. That's okay. We all need to grow in our affection and our attention. And the third one is still another thing we all need to grow. We need to give them a gift, the gift, and give them the discipline. 
Discipline is a gift to your children. They don't think it is, <laughs> but it is a gift to them. And discipline, I know, can be a touchy subject because many of us have been abused under the banner of godly discipline. And I understand that, and I know that. And as I was writing this, I thought, man, I, I want to be sensitive to those who have walked through that. But I will know this, that proper discipline is never given in anger, ever. Matter of fact, Paul, out of, in Galatians, talks about the acts of the flesh. He says the acts of the flesh are, is what? Anger, fits of rage. And if you discipline your child out of a fit of rage, it is not godly at all, ever. It should be out of the fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness. It should be hard for you to discipline your ch child. You should not get a joy. You should not grin when you're about to stick one in a corner or in the room or take something away from them or discipline however you feel like God leads you to do that. You should not get a rush out of that. If you do, then there's something wrong in your heart. Godly discipline is kindness. It is gentle. It's thought through. And discipline, it is, it is touchy, but this is what I do know. Did you know that God disciplines us? Did you know that? Hebrews 12, everybody says amen to that one, but anyway. Hebrews 12 says this. This is the New Living Translation. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Think about that. As you endure this divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who, whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Wow. Discipline is a part of God's stamp on your life to say, I love you and I'm going to discipline you. And so that's why we need to understand this idea of benefits of godly discipline as we walk through this book. And so as we look at this scripture that we just saw, what are the benefits of godly discipline? Number one, it demonstrates your love for your children. Godly discipline demonstrates your love for your children. The second wisest man who ever lived was Solomon. The first wisest man was who? It was Jesus. second one was Solomon. And this is what he says in Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod, this is the rod of correction, hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Careful. Not reactive. Not out of control. Not, but careful. It's thought through. Now, did you know that the Bible does not say spare the rod, spoil the child? Did you know that? Benjamin Franklin said that, though that might be close to the Bible. It is not the Bible, just so you know. But that's, that, that actual phrase is based out of this passage, out of Proverbs 13. If you love your children, you're going to discipline them. And so discipline should never be reactive. It should never be done in anger, as I've, I've already said. And believe, believe that as you discipline them, that God be, is shaping your heart as well. God is making you understand what it means to be disciplined by Him. 
And so this whole idea of discipline, it should be filled with love. It should be thoughtful. You should have time to process. You should take a break before you discipline. And and then you respond in a way that is filled with love and that makes sense to whatever's going on. The second thing of benefit of godly godly discipline is number two, it helps remove rebellion from their heart. This is the biblical principle. Proper discipline roots out rebellion. It gets it out. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says this, that folly, meaning rebellion, is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Now, I know so, some of you will disagree that your children might be rebellious or might have folly, and especially your grandparents who think, listen, your grandbaby or grandson or granddaughter, that's, it's the sweetest thing that, yes, sin fell on everyone else, but not my baby, not at all. You will find soon that you don't have to teach them to be mad, to scream, to lie, to punch, to bite, to pitch a fit, to throw their bodies on the ground and contort it in ways you did not think was possible. You'll realize you're a sinner. <laughs> but that's what discipline does. God partners with us to drive rebellion from the heart of a child. And I do know this, some children require more discipline than others. My poor mom and dad, I was the person who required the most. I know that's surprising to you, but it was true. I, I remember, uh, man, my parents tried, there are different levels. You like ratchet up the levels. And finally, it, it's, I remember, man, I, my, yeah, I'll tell you the story. My, um, my dad worked away from home and he was, he was gone. He worked for the railroad and so he traveled a lot. I, I, we had an incredible fear. Um, good godly fear of my dad. When my dad said, do it, you did it. He ne- I, my dad was the most even keel guy. He loved God. He was, I mean, great model for me. But how he, how he ran the house because he worked away is if I said to do it, I expect you to do it. I, I don't need to tell you twice. If I tell you twice, there's going to be discipline. And it took one time for you not to do it, and you knew. He actually meant that. And so you carried that on. But I remember one time I, I, I had a problem with, with my mouth at around 15. Any other 15-year-olds had a little jabber problem? Well, I did. And my mom was raising three teenage boys and a, and a, younger, and a younger sister. And so she was, she was doing this at home and holding the fort down. And, and I was giving my mom some, some lip in the kitchen one day. I mean, I was just giving it to her. And, and she said, knock it off. Now, I knew she meant knock it off, and sometimes my mom, she'd, she'd slap you on the arm, like, she'd pop, she'd pop you, and so she'd be like, don't flex your muscle, you just have to relax, and then she'd pop you. <laughs> but this time, and I was, I was giving, and I remember my heart was, I was nasty with her, and I said something, and she turned around, and she, and I was in the middle of a sentence, and she popped me on the face. And that got my attention. And I'd been pressing it. And I'll never forget this. She had tears rolling down her face. And she said, son, if you don't give your will to Jesus, it will destroy you. If you do, you will change the world. Make a decision. It's a big deal. Now, I'm not saying you should go around slapping your children in the face but I will say this, I needed it at that moment. 
And she, with tears running down her face, she disciplined me in a loving, caring way. To this day, I am so thankful for that discipline because it drove rebellion from my heart, and I had it in me. A third benefit of biblical discipline is number three, it prepares your child's heart for salvation. It prepares your children's hearts for salvation. Proverbs 23 says this, don't withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. I know that sounds awkward reading that in church. You think, oh gosh, what's, what's Jason talking about? I'll talk about this in a minute. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from what? From hell. Now, the rod doesn't necessarily mean an actual rod. It is a rod of correction. Whatever that is that you believe your children need, then you need to do it. Let me, let me encourage you. Get advice. Read some books. Get them right now. Media. Go, be on a journey with other parents on how to correct your child. As we know, no child is created equally, nor is every, any child normal. That is for sure. There's abnormal things in every child and every one of us. And so how you discipline is, is, is a really discerning thing. But here's the deal. He or she will not die. And you will deliver his or her soul from hell. This is literally talking about hell. This is literally talking about uh, there's a place that people will go when they, when they reject God, don't want anything to do with God. When they die, this, if they don't accept Christ on this side of the grave, their destiny is hell. I'm sorry, but that's what Scripture says. And so this says if you will discipline your children, you will, you will drive them or prepare their heart for salvation. And this is a real, this is a benefit, a major benefit of biblical discipline. I want to also give you three things. We're going to move these quickly. Parental loves to give your children. In other words, this is what you can leave them with. It's very important in raising them. Number one, you need to give them the love for the Lord. This is very important. Because we give them attention, give them affection, give them discipline. And many times we focus on discipline, 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 discipline. But there are other things, instructions in their life that they're going to need that will partner with all of those other things to help them live successfully. And number one is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. If, you, if, you, if your kids learn how to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, then you can rest assured that they're going to be sent on the right pathway. But how do they learn that? That is something that is more caught than taught. You don't get your children to love the Lord by saying, I said love the Lord. Love them. Love them. Love them some more. Now love them more. You know, how many know that's not going to work? You do it by demonstrating what does it mean to love the Lord. You do it by demonstrating the benefits of loving the Lord in your life and walking it out in your life. Secondly, you give them, number two, the love for the Word of God. This is very important. And, and what's more important than just reading the Bible to your children, what's more important is they see you reading the Bible for yourself. And what's more important than them seeing you read the Bible for yourself is seeing you actually live out the words in the Bible that you read. It's a big difference. And so you read it to them, you read it yourself, 
And then they know that you're applying what you've been reading because your life is different than other dads or other moms in their life. And number three, you can give them the gift, really, of the love for the church. I see this a lot. I see parents raising children a lot. They don't end up in church. And when you were to track things back, now this isn't in all cases, because I know there are some children that just rebel no matter, you, you can be the best parent on the planet and a child will still rebel. I don't understand that, but I will say this, there are biblical principles that can give us guidelines. Because most people say, Jason, that's not true if you raise a child, right? Okay, let me just ask you this question. Was God a good father to Adam and Eve? Was he? Was he a perfect father? Did they still rebel against him? Yes, they did. So there is this free will, but our job as parents and leaders in the church and leaders in ministry are to love children in a way that gives them the opportunity to pursue God. But this whole idea, this love for the church, is that if church isn't a priority for you, guess what? Church is not going to be a priority for your children. You see the value in it, but do you live out the value in it? And you don't do that by just taking them to church either. When you sit around the dinner table after church, what do they hear you say about the church? What do they hear you speak about the leaders in the church? What do they hear you speak about other people in the church? What do they hear you speak about the Sunday schools or whatever it may be, the worship? I was too loud. I didn't know the words. I didn't, I didn't like what, whatever so-and-so was doing. And I wish they would do this. I wish they would stop doing that. I wish that. So do they know that you actually love the church that you say you love? That's how you begin to shape a child's heart to love the church. Is that you can say those things in private. That's okay. But be careful what you say around your children because that will shape how they see the church. They think, why do I want to go to a church that my parents always speak bad of? Why do I want to be a part of a family that my parents always like, speak negatively towards the family? And then you want them to go to church. And they're like, why would I want to do that? You don't even like the church. And so this is why you leave them a gift of the love for the church. This is very, very important. Here's my question to you. Do your children know that you love Faith Bible Chapel by the words that you speak? This is a challenge for all of us because there's just something about church that we just like. We love it and then we like to talk bad about it. Just in our nature. I don't know what it is, but we all got it. Just be careful what you say around your children. I want to leave you with this in closing. The do's of parenting. As we walk through the discipline, the affection, the attention, all these, these other things, the benefits of biblical discipline, I want to leave you with this, the do's of parenting. These are just to be an encouragement to you because I don't want you to leave here and think, oh, great. It's kind of like when I, I read leadership books a lot, and I'm like, at the end of the book, I'm like, boy, I've got a lot, of, a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of, a, a lot of things I've got to change in my life to be a great leader, to be this. Or you can begin to say, God, your grace is sufficient. Number one, the dues of parenting is do let the Lord be your strength. This is not about you trying harder. <laughs> this is not about you working. This is about you allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ that while you were yet a sinner, he still died for you. He calls you his own. 
He didn't, he didn't spin you to be a parent or to be a, a, a potential parent or a grandparent and say, well, you got to figure it out on your own. No, no, no. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I let the strength of the Lord, let me be your strength. And you begin to walk that out. And remember, when you're facing your darkest moment, you say, Lord, I need your strength because I am inadequate, I am weak, and I am human, which is totally okay. Secondly, the do's of parenting is do remember that His grace is sufficient in your weakness. All of us have weaknesses. All of us have things at the end of the day, the enemy can come in and beat us up and tell you what you're not and tell you you should have done this or you shouldn't have acted this way. And, you, and, and, and some of it, you're right, I shouldn't have. But then what happens is then it becomes this sense of you're a failure, you're worthless, you're nobody, you don't deserve those children, you don't deserve, and all this evil spiral down to a place of despair. And God says, no, 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 no. Remember, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. So in those moments of like, I can't do this, I'm a failure, just begin to say, you know what, I am weak, I am human, so God, I look to you for your grace. God, help me experience a fresh sense of your grace. And number three, do remember, or sorry, do know, God loves your child more than you do. It's important. That he is a better father, he is a better parent than you are. Though he's giving you that responsibility, he, you are co-parenting with him. So when you think, you know what, but, but my child didn't, didn't make this college. My child didn't make this club. My child didn't make that sports team. My child didn't make the worship team. My child, they, they didn't get picked for this prom. They didn't get asked for this. Remember this, God is sovereign. And he will work all things together for good for those who love him. Remember, he loves your child more than you do. So in your moments of, but what about my child? Remember, God loves them. He's passionate. He's actually, he has more invested in your child than you have invested in your child. He actually gave his own child so that your child can live. He is so much invested. He cares for them. He loves them. He's passionate about them. And he cares and he loves you. And he's passionate about you. But he loves them more than you do. So that's why we can cast all of our cares upon him. Because he cares and loves us. That's why we can cast the cares of our children upon him. Because he cares and loves our children more than we do. And parenting is difficult. It's not easy. But this is what I do know. Anything in life that's worth achieving and doing is hard work. It's hard work. Everything that's worth anything is uphill. It's all up here. We have uphill dreams. I want to be a good parent. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good wife. I want to be, be a good, uh, good child. But guess what? It's all uphill. And we have uphill dreams with downhill habits. And the Word of God is to give us principles to help us keep moving forward as Christians and believers by His grace to be everything He's called us to be. Amen? Amen. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. 
Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.